The Old Testament reading is from Genesis chapter 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive today as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Our epistle readings from Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. O Lord, have mercy on us. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 22nd chapter. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare for prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They, they said to him, where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show, show you a large upper room furnished Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
Amen. So we are blessed. We are blessed that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, has graciously given us not one, but four books, four Gospels of our Lord Jesus Christ, four Gospels of the same, that tell the story of the same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, of course. Each one of them is, is showing Jesus' movement from uh, the, the, the cradle all the way to the cross and to the empty tomb. And yet, each one of these four beautiful portraits of Jesus, have, has a, it shows Jesus as a painting, as that portrait, but in a slightly different angle. This is, of course, the same Jesus. They're all the same picture, but they all have their own beautiful perspective, especially for Lent and for Easter. So for our Lenten services this year, we will follow Christ's journey from cross to the tomb according to the Gospel of Luke. And as we begin our Lenten journey toward the empty tomb this Ash Wednesday, we will begin by summing up Luke's inspired gospel account. But in order to do that, first, we're going to look at the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. You're probably familiar with the story of Joseph, the Joseph, Joseph narrative. Joseph, of course, here's a brief summary. Joseph, of course, was the favored son of his father, Jacob. Through no fault of his own, Joseph's older brothers hated him for that very reason that he was his father's favorite. Of course they hated him for that. So they abused him. That's evil. And they sold him as a slave to Egyptian traders, Egyptian slave traders. That is evil. They smeared animal blood over his multicolored coat. They lied and they told their father Jacob that Joseph had been killed by wild animals and was dead. Evil. Yet down in Egypt, Joseph's life, like many of ours, took peaks and valleys as he was there in Egypt. But finally, through God's blessing of him, he rose to prominence in Egypt. Number two, right underneath Pharaoh. God used Joseph's wisdom and his foresight to save people from starving to death, including Joseph's own father who came down to Egypt because there was a famine. And yes, even those brothers of his who had done such evil God used Joseph to save them as well. So when his father Jacob dies, and that's of course where our Old Testament picks up, uh, Jacob had just died, Joseph's brothers then are scared. They're afraid that Joseph is finally now going to take out his revenge, his vengeance upon them. But he doesn't. Instead, he assures them that they are indeed forgiven. He says, what you meant, you meant for evil. God meant for good. Don't misunderstand Joseph's words here. It wasn't like no big deal or uh, it's fine, no, no problem. This was evil. Joseph acknowledged that what they did was great evil. It was evil. They meant evil. They did evil. And note, God did not change that evil. Evil happened, and it happened big time. But God did use that evil for his far greater purposes, even though at the time, no one knew what God was up to or how he would use this great evil for good. But God knew. He had that plan all along, and just as he always knows. This Lenten season, we're going to look at Luke 
22 and 23, of course, with the glorious resurrection in Luke 24, always in view. And as we reflect on our gospel reading, which you heard read earlier, we'll see some important truths develop. The first of that truth is that it is time for a greater Passover. Luke goes out of his way in our gospel reading to mention no less than five times that it is a particular time of year. It is a particular festival that is about to happen. It is the Passover. He says it in verse 1. He says it again in verse 7, 8, 11, 13. Five times. The Passover. Of course, the Passover was a time when Israel was called upon to remember to remember all that God had done for them as they were living under the power of a great evil. They were slaves in Egypt centuries before Luke, Luke is describing here in our gospel reading. Evil had come against God's people. Evil was done to them. Pharaoh resisted God's plan to redeem and to free his people. Even though God sent plague after plague, Pharaoh continued to harden his heart and refused to let God's people go. And even after Pharaoh finally relented and allowed them to leave, he quickly changed his mind and went back after them, hunted them down, chased them through the middle of the Red Sea even. He came after them to destroy them, to enslave them. What Pharaoh did was evil. He intended it for evil. But God used it to deliver his people. He meant evil. God used it for good. He worked that to save Israel. He drowned Pharaoh's army in the sea, the same sea that he used to save his people. So they were rescued. They stepped out onto dry land. They passed through death into life now with their loving God. Their enemies meant it for evil. God meant it for good. In our gospel reading, what God did at the Passover long before and what God did through the exodus of Egypt, from Egypt, God now is doing in a far greater way in his Son. So that's the first truth that comes from our reading, our gospel reading tonight. It is Passover. And it's a time for a greater salvation, a far greater deliverance than ever before, a greater movement from death into life, life eternal with God our Heavenly Father. There's a second truth. Evil is coming for Jesus. Evil men will come for Jesus. Luke also emphasizes in this gospel reading that the evil one is coming for Jesus. Satan himself is behind all of these evil plans allied to kill, and to, to kill Jesus. So just look at the, the evil lineup in the first few verses of our gospel reading. In verse 2, you've got the chief priests, you've got the scribes, men who are supposed to be guiding and preparing the Israelites, God's people, to receive their Messiah. But now they are looking to put him to death. They are looking for a way to kill Jesus. Evil. Then in verse 3, we have Satan entering Judas, the one called Iscariot. Satan, the evil one, the strong man who hates God and wants to enslave his people. But at this point in the Gospel of Luke, 
and we've kind of heard this in the last few weeks as well, that Jesus has been kicking Satan back, pushing him back. I've used the illustration of light. Jesus, the light of the world, as he comes into the kingdom of Satan, the darkness must scatter, must flee. Satan's kingdom must be pushed back. So sure, Satan is the strong man, but now an even stronger man is on the scene, and he has come to bind Satan. Yet the devil has plans to destroy Jesus, and Satan uses Judas. Judas! Now, you've heard the story so many times that that doesn't even shock you anymore. But Judas, one of the twelve, one of the chosen, select few disciples, the betrayal is unbelievable. Judas conspires with the chief priests to betray Jesus, and they think that they need to avoid the crowds, but later we'll find out that the crowds will turn on Jesus too. Evil. As they cry out, crucify him, crucify him. At the first Passover in Egypt, the evil was bad enough. Now it's worse. Evil is coming for Jesus. And now, the third beautiful truth comes out of our reading. We've already seen the whole host of evil. We've got human enemies. We've got a traitor in our midst. We've got the devil himself. And they're all in league, a league of evil against Jesus. And we know that technically their plan is going to succeed. It is going to work. But the third truth comes when we get to verse 7 of our gospel reading. And then it comes again four more times after that. Luke emphasizes something very significant. Five times total, Luke says, everything is ready. Everything is prepared. Prepare the Passover. Where shall we prepare for it? The large upper room furnished, prepare there. And go and prepare the Passover. Five times, prepared, ready. Now, it's possible here that Jesus is simply exercising his divine power, power as the very Son of God to predict what is going to happen. A man will meet you, you follow him, and the master of the house will show you the upper room, etc., etc. But Luke doesn't say that explicitly. And it's also possible that it, it happened in a very ordinary way. It, it's possible that Jesus went ahead and prepared all of these things beforehand. And that fits quite nicely, because Jesus is most certainly prepared. He's ready. Jesus is ready. He knows what, about the evil that is coming against him. He knows that the evil men and the evil one and the evil schemes are all allied against him. He knows that he is going to be stripped bare, crucified on the cross, and the only thing that he will have in that moment is trust in his Father in heaven and his far greater plan to save his people. Evil's coming. And God's great plan is to let the evil do its worst. To let sin and evil and Satan have their way with his one and only son. At least for now. But Jesus is ready. He's ready for the evil. He's prepared for the power of darkness. He knows 
He knows that this rescue is going to be far greater than anything that Joseph did for his brothers. He knows that this exodus is going to be far greater than anything Moses performed. Jesus knows that while his enemies meant all of this for evil, God meant it for good. The Father means it for good. And the greatest salvation, our salvation, the salvation of all of mankind, will result in the end. Others in the story, as we were going to hear in our midweek sermons, others in the story think they're ready, but they're not. For example, Peter thinks he's ready. He thinks he's ready, prepared to go and die with Jesus if need be. But he's not. Only Jesus. Our Lord Jesus is ready. He's ready to face the evil and he's ready to take it upon himself. And he knows that the Father in heaven is going to raise him from the dead, giving him ultimate victory over sin and evil and Satan himself. Everything now is ready. What part are we tempted to play in the evil that comes against Jesus? Our sins, our evil. Well, we will explore that during this Lenten season. And by God's grace, once again, he will come to us and he will get us to repent of our evil, repent of our sin. And once again, he will get us to turn to his son, Jesus Christ, and beg for forgiveness. And he will give forgiveness for all of our sins. But for tonight, what doubts plague you when you see the power of evil in your own life? when you see the power of evil in our world around us? How often does our fear cripple us and deceive us into thinking that maybe God is not ready for this particular evil? Maybe he's not prepared. Maybe he's going to be caught off guard by the evil that we see today or whatever is afflicting you today. As if God could be taken off guard. As if he's not ready for evil this time. So this Lenten season, we will indeed open up our fears, our doubts, and we'll give them to Jesus because he has already undone all of the evil. And because he lives forever, and because he lives, we too shall live in nothing, not even death, nor life, nor, nor anything, nor Satan, nor struggle, or any evil that is in your life or in this world, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And the crucified, risen, ascended Son of God, who reigns over all things for our good. So in that Jesus, we can confidently say, in the face of any and all evil in our lives or affecting the whole world, to Satan, we can say it to Satan, we can say it to any enemy, we can even say it to ourselves, that you cannot take God by surprise. Jesus, my Savior, is always ready, and he is always with me, fighting with me. He is always ready to save and to redeem. You may intend it for evil, but God intends it for good. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We continue by